Sir, Mr. Taylor, I, I'm just coming to check on you. It sounds like you've gotten so much worse since the last time we met. Did did Minority Report did not work on you for your case of the Spielbergs we diagnosed you with? Well, Doc, I was getting stronger. Even yesterday, I was able to wiggle my toebergs <laughs> on my feetbergs. <laughs> but uh, yeah? I think it's wearing off. Minority Report... It only gets you so far, Doc. Did I mention that part of the reason I'm, I'm sick is because I can't stop doing this accent. It's part of my Spielbergs. I don't know what it is, Doc. Well, with the amount of times you're saying, Doc, I'm worried there might be a little smaller case of Zemeckisitis. So <laughs> we might have to treat that next week. Oh, I can feel it. Oh, oh no. I can feel uh, it. It's a bad one. Before we cast away those symptoms, though, Denny, uh, we want to fully tackle this <laughs> case of the Spielbergs. So I'm, I'm prescribing you some of this medicine for this week. Um, here you go. I need you to take uh, two, two, of these, uh, two of these pills. Uh, let me know how you feel tomorrow morning. Doc, these aren't pills. They're Reese's Pieces. Get the hell out of my office. This is my hospital room. Oh, <laughs> I, I forgot the setting. Oh, Denny, we have fun, don't we? I, I'm the guy who panicked and did an accent for his own voice. <laughs> I was playing the part of myself and did an accent. What if I, as myself, was from somewhere else? <laughs> I started doing it, and by the time I noticed what I was doing, I'd committed to it. I couldn't get out of it. Yeah, you were really leaning into the Goodwill Hunting episode. <laughs> like, <laughs> you had a little bit of that going well, for you. Well, if that's true, it's not my fault, Greg. Like an uninformed Boston accent is what you were doing. It's not my fault. Oh, yes it is. So, Denny. How do you like them faults? How do you like them Reese's Pieces? I like them quite a lot, Denny. Uh, if you couldn't tell, if you couldn't add the math, add one and one together. Folks, Movies for Wind is back. We've still got a case of the Spielbergs, as you've heard. And we're here to talk about the next movie in the Spielberg science fiction pantheon, Buddy. It's E.T. the Extraterrestrial. A classic. A classic. Absolutely it is. And Greg, do you know what E.T. is short for? Et. No, it's because he's got such little legs. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> You've been sitting that on that one for like years huh it's uh i don't want to say my favorite joke but top three for sure yeah it is 
a quintessential cinema dad joke, I guess. Just based on my first time hearing it just now. <laughs> That's how I choose to describe it. Uh, yeah, this is... I'm loving this series so far. I knew I would like it, and Minor Minority Report was cool. It's pretty good, and happy to say things are only getting better. How are you liking the Spielbergs uh, so far? Dude. Or at least treating the symptoms <clears throat> of the Spielbergs. Um, just as much as I knew I would. I am a, definitely a fan of this type of thing. I, I knew this was going to be a very me theme. I knew I was going to enjoy this, and so far I am. And uh, I've even found some fun ways to enhance it even further through the magic of VHS. This is just transporting me right back to the 90s. Oh, yeah. I was going to tee you up during our relationships with the movie, but uh, we can get into that at that point but that's a good little teaser it's you've got like denny's wearing a hat that has like very 80s 90s vhs vibes it is a wrestling hat i shouldn't expect anything else from my guy <laughs> damn i'm in the mood we've got you know we've got neon vibes in here but you know nowadays it's all leds but it still gives off that same aesthetic we just need like a smoke machine some kind of Ooh. fog to kick up in here i that's a very fog-heavy movie that we're going to be covering today. I just want to complete the aesthetic a little bit, you know? You know, uh, they sell atmosphere in a can that we could get. It'll mm. it's, You just spray it around. It's used on film sets. And, uh, yeah, we could get some fog. I can get you some fog, Greg. I can get you the fog. I have a fog guy already. <laughs> <laughs> I have a fog machine in my garage ready to go at any time canned atmosphere is that what you're trying to yep. tell me yep. hey spe speaking of canned atmosphere you ready to talk about the movies we were watching this week because i got a good one but i'll let you go first boy am i let's do it um let's see this week i was very on alien theme greg um Ooh. <clears throat> i'm clapping my hands yeah together. yeah thank you i i do tell i watched um also on vhs the fifth element um, oh, sick. Yeah, it was really awesome. Uh, I watched, uh, right before it, I talked about last week, I watched Heavy Metal, and uh, the uh, Bruce Willis character in The Fifth Element is uh, inspired by a character in Heavy Metal. So that got me in the mood to check out what I haven't checked out in a little while, and I watched The Fifth Element. Um, it is a super fun sci-fi, cyberpunk type of movie. Um, have you ever seen it? I did see it in college, yes. Nice. Uh, one of my favorite Gary Oldman yes. uh, appearance, yes. uh, performances. Yeah. And uh, one of the only movies ever. I can't think of another movie that this happens. The protagonist and the antagonist never meet. I'm going to have to think of some examples, Denny. But that's very, yeah, I guess I never thought about it. Yeah. I haven't thought a lot about The Fifth Element, I guess. Dude, it's really fun. Uh, it's 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 a blast. I loved it. Um, yeah, lots of aliens. Got Chris Tucker delivering a career performance. Uh, Bruce Willis doing something more schwarzenegger -y, I guess. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just love this era of big-budget sci-fi, man. It's so cool. Um, there was something magical about the 90s. Um, and sticking with the uh, alien big theme. Big budget sci-fi? Sticking with big budget sci-fi? Yes, sir. Because I saw you post <laughs> something. Yes. I watched Arrival. Denis Villeneuve. Did I say it right? Very 
pretty much. <laughs> directed it. Um, yeah. Our guy. I had not seen Arrival uh, since it was in theaters, um, and I've been wanting to rewatch it ever since. And like last night, I really wanted to watch a very vibey type of Fifth Element esque movie, and Vanessa wasn't in that kind of mood. And she started naming off stuff she was in, the, like could watch. She was like, I don't know, I could do like um, this, like uh, I could do Spirited Away. Um, I could do something else that sounds kind of boring or Arrival or this other boring thing. And I was like, oh, my God, Arrival. I pick Arrival. <laughs> Time out. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was dope, man. Arrival is a fantastic movie. Um, very eerie, very atmospheric. Um, mm. Also a very foggy movie if we're going to talk fog. If we're going to talk fog, we got to be talking Arrival. Um, But yeah, man, I hadn't seen it uh, in a long, long time. It honestly really made me feel old because I was like, I think of it as a movie I saw recently because I saw it in theaters as an adult. Right, uh, this came out two years ago, right? Seven. No, two. Seven. No, it's two. It came out two years ago. I hadn't seen this movie in seven years. Oh no! <laughs> Stop, please. Yeah, that that was upsetting. Um, but now I haven't seen it in uh, one day, so <laughs> it's it's a very recent watch again. Ah, very good. <laughs> so, yeah, that's all oh, that kicks ass. That's all I got for this week. Okay, yeah, very cool. Yeah, I'm I'm slowly, slowly but surely continuing my crusade of getting Denny to watch all of Denny Villeneuve's films and from what I saw on Facebook comments it doesn't sound like you're going to watch Dune anytime soon no, and that's okay I, I that's okay. really gave it an honest shot and it's just not for me I love the director I own the source material I haven't read it and I really appreciate everything about it I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Dude, okay, I did not under... And, like, this one was supposed to be more accessible than the David Lynch one, which I also fucking watched. Um, I, <laughs> I can't tell you any fucking thing. And I had Colby there to explain it to me, because he has read the material and is low-key actually a massive Dune fan. He was, oh, yeah. he no, was... It's not low-key. Oh, okay. It's out there. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I, I, with, with a big fan there to like fill in the blanks, I understand nothing about it. Um, this is the, what I haven't been and won't be watching section of the podcast. (laughs) I could spend a lot of time here. How did we get down this rabbit hole? (laughs) I watched it. I watched it once and came away from it really appreciating it. But again, I, I couldn't tell you a single thing about what happened. I do want to watch it again, and I do want to watch the second one in theaters. Um, I think that was like a big COVID release. They wanted to launch it in 2020 mm-hmm. or like put it in theaters in 2020, kind of like delayed a little bit. Shit sucks for this series, man. First one is delayed coming out due to COVID. Not everybody gets it. Second one is now delayed due to SAG after strikes. Why can't these fuckers just get out of their fucking oh my god these little 
bubbles of everything is great and it's just all lines on a chart and just uh, let people make art for fuck's sake lines on a chart let people lines make on art. a chart lines, lines on, on a chart, chart. chart. let people let... make art it was a good that rant. one's for you actors yeah yeah um good lord man just pay people fairly how hard is it right anyways you would not believe um, um but as long as i can get you to watch prisoners in sicario sometime soon i think my crusade will be well worth it this i can do Ooh, i'll do a double feature with you but you might it sounds <laughs> it might like a little lot. it might be way too heavy <laughs> Um, the the Blank Check podcast, I think they described Prisoners as the least funny movie ever made. <laughs> okay, I'll watch Sicario. Which... I don't know about Prisoners. <laughs> oh, my God. Prisoners kicks ass, though. It's incredible. Um, I watched some stuff. What did you watch, Greg? If you want to hear about it while you look for something on the floor my there. My phone fell out of my pocket. Boy, did it. Hi, Anton. Oh, the dog is here. So... I watched a movie. I am slowly, slowly trudging my way through the series. I think the, I brought up watching the first one maybe a year plus ago. Uh, I watched Mission Impossible 3. <laughs> I remember. Was that a year plus ago? I think when we were traveling for our honeymoon. What? In March of last year. Where does I the watched, time go, my friend? I watched it on the plane back, but yeah. Wow. Now I've watched the third one. I could say it's a kick-ass little series. I liked it. Um, I'm not loving the whole thing so far, but you're never going to catch me saying these movies aren't a shitload of fun and cool. And at the end of the day, like that's what I'm going into them for. So two kind of sucked, but I enjoyed the how and why it sucked. So I, I don't... I, I want to keep I want to keep going. They're not good movies or even some of them are pretty good, mostly just watchable. I want to keep going. They're fun. Tom Cruise riding a motorcycle. I'm always going to watch it. Uh it's just a solid spy thriller with cool stunts and stuff and a very weird casting of Philip Seymour Hoffman in this one. Hmm. Got to say. Hmm. I would <sighs> not have guessed he was in a Mission Impossible movie. He was a bad guy, and it was really weird. <laughs> but, but yeah. Anytime I can see him on screen, I'm going to be happy. Um, the other thing I watched, a film from two filmmakers that you and I love very much, but a movie I hadn't seen before, from the Coen brothers, I watched Miller's Crossing from 1990. Ooh. How is it? It is good really fucking good <laughs> it's it's good they you know we this whole theme is based on you know admiring and like really looking into what makes a specific director successful inspiring unique um how they convey their vision on the screen and you know i talked a little bit about Wes Anderson last week and how that was just not quite my thing. Mm -hmm. um, the Coen brothers, on the other hand, they have such a unique and distinct style that, style that I really appreciate. We've covered three of their movies on this podcast. 
I, I want to say did Fargo. We did Fargo, No Country, and we did uh, Serious Man. Yeah. Wow. Oh, what a weird three. What a weird three. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get we'll get to more of them later, I'm sure. But like, there's. I don't know how they do it. It's just like this intangible. I I kind of want to get to the. In, we tried to like really nail down why Steven Spielberg's movies are like feel a certain way mm-hmm. or why they leave you feeling a certain sort of atmosphere and i feel like there's just for some filmmakers it's just sort of this intangible thing whatever it is air quotes it whatever it is they just have it and they know how to put it on screen and make you feel it Mm -hmm. and with the coen brothers it always seems like there's just like a little bit of no matter how serious or deadpan or like dark or gritty or whatever you're seeing on screen it always feels like you're supposed to like find a little bit of humor in it yeah it's and <clears throat> miller's crossing specifically it's like a you have have you seen it i don't think no you've seen i haven't it. no not a lot of people have and i'm like i was like i was like oh shit i forgot the coen brothers made this um you know it's a like prohibition era gangster noir like genre film Mm -hmm. and they execute it so well but it still has their unique kind of taste on it it's it's super interesting it's like this is very specifically about this kind of thing and this kind of story but i can still see like there's fingerprints that are present in the big lebowski here or atmosphere that's reminiscent of like fargo in here and it's great it's it's really cool i recommend checking it out it stars someone that should have taken off more but he was the dad in hereditary oh okay um gabriel byrne is his name uh and he's a star it's great it's good thumbs up uh watch miller's crossing kicks ass i think i i decided to purchase it on amazon i didn't uh I didn't rent it like some coward. I purchased it. <laughs> it was a dollar more, so <laughs> why the hell not? I was going to ask, watch. what's your purchase threshold? What does it have to be? It depends on my faith in... Well, first of all, if I haven't seen the movie, let's go with that. Mm-hmm. Add that to the premise. If I haven't seen the movie, if I'm doing an online purchase, if it's something I think I'll like, probably five bucks... If it's something I think I'll like from a filmmaker I like really trust, maybe ten. Um, I forgot to mention when I like when I watched Sicario for like the seventh or eighth time. That was my very first Amazon Prime movie purchase, like six or seven years ago. Yeah, that was like my very first one, and that was my first time watching. I was like, I I I trust this. I think I had. Maybe I didn't watch Arrival. I had watched something else. I was like, I just trust this guy. This seems kick-ass. And it is. And then I bought it on there, and then I also bought the Blu-ray. Because (laughs) physical is forever. So. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say like five or ten bucks. Um, If it's a movie I already know, and I know I love, maybe like a little bit more. But I would have to like, you know, not already own the Blu-ray or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I watched, Danny. Cool. Well, Greg, are you ready for 
was going to say the the little sweaty alien. I don't know. I was trying to rhyme with ready. Uh, I couldn't think of anything Are you other ready than for Freddy. little puppet sweaty? Uh. He's not even sweaty. He doesn't have pores. It's I blew it, okay? I blew the segue headline, everyone. Yeah. He has pores. Those kids don't seem to have a lot of money. <laughs> pores. <laughs> now, we've got another case of um, single mom raising multiple kids with the youngest one being a girl living in a gigantic house in california so we've done it again folks yeah man don't you hate it this... when like the poor people in the movie have a way better life than you yes <laughs> personally i hate it when a movie is derivative of mac and me but yeah uh, we'll oh. get to that later <laughs> huge talking point obviously <laughs> spielberg's a hack i don't have to tell you more like hacking me oh shit he went there folks all right, Denny. So E.T. is a 1982 film, of course, from Steven Spielberg. Mm -hmm. Why else would it be here? I found this one only to be like a rental on streaming websites. Uh, I rented it on Amazon Prime. Um, but I know for a fact, Denny, based on what we've been talking about, there's other ways to watch this movie. Denny, how did you watch the movie? If people don't want to spend the money on Amazon Prime? <clears throat> this movie is available on VHS video cassette anywhere they sell old shit near you. <laughs> um, I watched it on, uh, on VHS and it was awesome. Uh, my mom actually got me a working VHS or a VCR slash DVD player for my birthday back in January. And uh, nice. I just had a lot going on. I hadn't really had the chance to put miles on it until I popped in the fifth element last week. And then uh, I noticed I happened to have in my VHS collection this week and next week's movie. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm vibing, man. I'm vibing. <clears throat> That's awesome. Yeah, I remember like... When we were doing Mac and Me, of which, you know, E.T. was based on, there was some concern about the VCR you did have at the time eating your tapes, yes. basically, yes. kind of fucking up. So I'm glad, because you have shelves full of movies and shorts, TV shows, wrestling uh, events, programs, mm -hmm. programs, wrestling programs. I've seen the shelves, folks. I've been to his house. There's a VHS library in there. I'm glad you can finally enjoy it. That's that's just unlocking like a whole new level of like enjoyment that I'm like makes me happy knowing how much you're going to enjoy it basically. Thanks man. It's uh it's really cool that now when I like catch myself with an afternoon with nothing to do, one of the things that pops into my head is I should just grab literally anything from my VHS collection and watch it. It's it's hooked up to the main TV in the living room. The the VCR she purrs like a kitten. Greg she mm -hmm. she 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 really runs if you know what I mean. <laughs> she really runs. <laughs> they never they never sounded that good. But yeah, I, <laughs> I just imagine you like Vanessa's not home yet, and you just look at your dog like you want to watch ECW fucking nineteen ninety four something or rather. I don't know these that things. I just know some of the acronyms. Exactly what happens. Yes. <laughs> Swish, baby. Oh, man. Uh, E.T. 
The extraterrestrial. Let's hell yeah on VHS for Denny for me the digital version. I feel like we got maybe different visual experiences, but I have a feeling we got very similar emotional experiences. Denny, this was your pick for the theme, so why don't you go ahead and summarize the plot of E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Yes, um, E.T. is um, a little alien who gets left by the other aliens, uh, and he uh, becomes friends with a little boy named Elliot who lets him live in his closet and uh, teaches him some basic things uh, like how to drink beer, um, how to play with yeah. uh, the team. So how to be cool. Yeah, how to be cool yeah. and rad. Um, we discover that E.T. has some healing powers. The siblings find out. Um, E.T. kind of like has a psychic link with Elliot too. Drew Barrymore's in the mix. It's all very compelling and sentimental. Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, E.T., it turns out what he wants to do is phone home. And that's what he's been trying to communicate. He wants to call home. Um, so he's super smart and builds the equipment to do it. And then... Uh, him and the boys fly on bikes over to the top of a big old hill to, to broadcast, but the, the feds are on them, and E.T.'s dying, oh, no. and it's horrible, and now the government wants to um, do experiments on him and shit, and uh, it looks like he's fucking dead, man. They fucking make you think E.T. died. Um, and then he comes back to life, and they uh, get him back to his home planet, and uh, that's that's the film E.T. in a nutshell. In a nutshell, ladies and gentlemen. Well done. Thank you. I feel like I just relived it. Uh, Denny, before we get into our relationships with the movie, I would like to read you a Critiker review of the week. Yes. It did not come from Will Reno. It did not come from Letterboxd. This is a genuine Critiker person that I couldn't decide how I wanted to go on these. When it's movies that are like good and ones that we like, I'm never sure if I want to go for somebody that completely like misunderstood the movie or something that kind of like echoes how I feel about it. But this week it's the latter. I feel like this person kind of put to words some things I was feeling. Uh, I'll disagree with the first line a little bit here, but uh, here we go. Our review of the week says, the tail end of this thing is mawkish. But the first hour, if not more, conveys very well this idea of childhood as filled with terror, wonder, and disappointment. There's a bit of a feeling of childhood as a dialectic between learning that the world is a scary place, not beholden to your whims, and finding a comfortable place in it, between exclusion and belonging. And, in a pretty organic way, Spielberg manages to express the impenetrability of the taken-for-granted conventions of the adult world. 75 out of 100 is what they gave it. And it's like... <laughs> I don't want to get too far ahead, I guess, but, like, I love this line of the impenetrability of the taken-for-granted conventions of the adult world. I have very specific memories as a kid of, like, conversations my parents are having or, you know, even my older brother and his friends or my parents with like friends of theirs just like adult world stuff and they're laughing about something and i'm like i don't know what any of that is that means it isn't funny what is going on in their heads that i'm not getting yeah. i remember that feeling Always. very very yeah. well and watching this movie i felt 
connected to it in that way, but I didn't really under I didn't really like have a way to verbalize what I was connecting to until I read that line specifically, which is why I picked that review. So it was a um, very well written review. That was I, I kept waiting for a punchline, and it just kept being like yeah, a me too. Really insightful take on ET. Yeah. Yeah, if you want a good punchline review, we'll go back to the animals playing sports theme. Uh, <laughs> but Denny, what's your relationship with E.T.? Man, it, it's a movie that I, I truly can't remember a time when I hadn't seen it. Um, I remember as a child riding the uh, the Universal Studios ride a lot. I, I grew up in a very theme park focused family. Um, by the way, the only opening day Universal Studios attraction still in operation, E.T. Mm. E.T.'s Adventure. Um, it's pretty sweet. It's a little, it's a little disappointing, but I'm glad it's. If there's got to be only one, I'm glad it's this yeah. one. Well, there's some I would have kept. Uh, this isn't a time for my theme park takes, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different podcast. Yeah. Um, no, it's. Um, but I remember, I remember it being a big part of my childhood. Um, I remember something that was really cool is when I was probably twelve, I got to see it in theaters because it came back for uh, the oh, cool. twentieth anniversary, and I got to go see it in theaters. That w- yeah, that would have been the twenty fifth. Twenty fifth, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I thought that was oh, pretty that's cool. sick. Yeah, it was a, it was a neat little memory. Yeah, I, I like. <laughs> that's another thing. Maybe not problem, but it's a personal issue with like Spielberg movies. Is like we just had the 30th anniversary of Jurassic Park, and you're just like, oh god, I feel older than the dinosaurs in the movie. Yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> it's, it's heartbreaking learning these facts, but yeah, the 25 year anniversary of this movie, you remember watching as <laughs> a tween. <laughs> you you just came from your friend's party at Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and uh, a crucial piece of my relationship with this movie that I think I would be remiss not to acknowledge because it kind of colors my love for it. Um, Mm -hmm. I've mentioned before, I'm a therapist, and something that is really hard to do when you change jobs or, in this instance, end your internship is just terminate with your entire caseload all at once. And I had an internship where I did play therapy with kids and I had never been through this absolutely gut-wrenching experience before, and it hit me so hard saying goodbye to some of those kids after, like, connecting with them on an emotional level so deeply. Um, and the movie I watched to help me cope with it was E.T., and I hardcore over-identified with it. I was like... He's like the play therapist that helped Elliot, but he can't stay because he doesn't belong in Elliot's world. He has to leave. Um, so when I was like 27, I like really cried hard watching this movie because I, uh, well, I was looking for something to explain my pain. <laughs> yeah. I don't want you to like overly, I don't know if this is a verb, justify like I don't want you to overly like humorize the experience you had and like diminish it in any way because I would understand like that would you would have that strong connection with it with what you were going what was going on with you that's a very unique set of circumstances that I'm sure a lot of people don't feel and hopefully will never feel so I don't want you to like laugh it off as like man I used to be so cringe 
when that was like i'm sure that was very harrowing actually i appreciate you clocking me on that man um i feel more seen now and i feel more comfortable being seen i think i was uh i was diminishing something that was actually really significant to me because i was a little embarrassed about how much it meant to me it, it was a very special moment I'm telling you, you shouldn't have to be embarrassed because you, I I remember you going through that and yeah, I'm glad you had a way to cope and like, I wouldn't have, I would, I will, I would make fun of you for so many things, but I would never (laughs) make fun of you for (laughs) having to deal with the pain of like, um, brutally (laughs) cutting off a relationship with uh innocent kids basically and just like hey kids we can't be friends anymore i'm no longer going to be able to see you grow in any way Uh, and i'm no longer going to be able to assist with that that's got to be so tough and i would never mock such a thing thanks man it's probably the main reason i don't work with kids anymore because it hurts too bad and i don't want to experience it anymore (laughs) so i stopped (laughs) <laughs> there we go. Like, I had a whole conversation plan. I'll get to my relationship right now and tell you what I was going to ask. Uh, my relationship with E.T. is I never watched it. We've been through this many times. If a popular movie came out in the 80s, I haven't seen it. We're checking them off the list one by one. Like, we got a couple things and now we're on E.T. We're finally there, folks. Uh, Ghostbusters later wink wink in the future near future i don't know shrug shrug so yeah i was glad to get this one checked off the list because as a person of my age being to the point of being annoyed with the existence of stranger things and the hype around it I was I was going into this one with mixed feelings about what I would feel. Overall, I came out very positive. I will say that. Okay, good. Because um, my first note was, uh, this movie really makes a lot of Stranger Things references, huh? <laughs> We're both going to be making a lot of the same joke. I just <laughs> mark mark my words. I already did. I already said that this was derivative of Mac and Me. Like, we're on the same yeah, page yeah. here. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask you originally, like, before you went into that whole segment that I loved, um, how this movie really conveyed, like, relating back to the Critica review, how this kind of portrayed kids and how it made you feel, because I knew you had worked with kids in the past, but it sounded like it, especially at the time, a few years ago, impacted you greatly and really told an honest... Um, perspective of kids and a very unique and special relationship ending because it wasn't the right place for it basically right yeah but you already kind of went through that is there any kind of thought you had on that watching it at a few years removed from that experience well i think what what the movie really shows is that like usually to heal a pain in a child's life you need to heal the family system. You can't just focus on the kid because the kid doesn't exist in isolation. You know, like there's a whole mm-hmm. complex system of interaction that's causing this issue for the child. And I feel like E.T. really conveyed what it's like 
to be a quiet kid in a loud family, um, mm-hmm. you know, and to, to just see so much chaos and to just, I, I could see how any one of those three kids would feel just kind of lost in the shuffle, you know, cause there's just so much going on. Yeah. And, um, I think it, it captures how like something is wrong in the family in the sense that their dad left and that's why everybody's being shitty to each other. Um, there's something wrong with everyone in this whole system of interaction and you show like E.T. slowly meeting more and more family members and like again what's his power he heals things um, he, mm-hmm. he can heal things that are, that are wounded and the relationship with E.T. is what helps this family heal and then when the family's better E.T. has to go and that's play therapy is so more than any other form of therapy so much about the relationship um it's not about the techniques you use or anything about that it's about learning how to speak a kid's language and enter a kid's world and have the kind of relationship with a kid that brings them healing and i think that's what stuck out to me so much about it is it's the fact it's not that et has a physical power to heal injuries it's that a relationship with him has a metaphysical power to heal this family because they all rally around him and come together. Yeah, and I just like, man, I, I wonder how difficult it is to approach this kind of story as an adult creating it. Yeah. Basically, like how if I were to everything you just said if i were to convey that into a story that was relatable to both kids and adults like where would i even start Mm -hmm. and i think that kind of speaks to the genius of the creation of this movie um there is this sort of wonder and adventure and like movie magic to it all but like ultimately like what does this relationship mean and how can kids and adults relate to it in an impactful mm-hmm. way and it delivers so there you go uh, you're, you're reminding me of something i saw steven spielberg say on like extra features for hook actually um but it makes sense Ooh. in this movie um oh we've hmm. also covered hook on this podcast oh shit that's right, that's right. we have, see that's how much i wasn't i wasn't done. here for it though right so, it was just me and yeah. vanessa yeah ah, that was an emergency episode Hey, cool movie. Yeah. Um, but what he said was that he always wanted to do Peter Pan because Spielberg himself never wanted to grow up um, until um, he finally, he had a kid and he completely lost interest in Peter Pan. He, he like was like, no, I get why you want to grow up. And then that completely changed his idea of the Peter Pan movie he wanted to make. But that's for the Hook episode. Um, But, like, Mm -hmm. this E.T. would have been made in that time period when Steven Spielberg was still very in the headspace of his childhood, so to speak. He wasn't wanting to leave it behind. He was still seeing the world largely through the eyes of a kid, I think. Um, I think you should watch The Fablemans. I probably should, shouldn't I? I I think you would, based on, like, the last ten minutes of us talking, I think you would gets really get something out of it um i know you kind of shit on it before i shit on it based on based based on the marketing of it yeah it was marketed to denny incorrectly so i i think you would really get something out of that one okay um 
maybe a little bit of a return to form kind of, I guess I would say. So an adult approach to a return to form. It's it's interesting. Well, you'll just watch it, whatever. Anyways. <laughs> um, yeah, I did kind of want to briefly give my wife's relationship to this movie. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned this is still the only remaining ride from the opening of Universal Studios. Mm-hmm. Uh, she doesn't like this movie because the ride scared her too much as a kid. So she doesn't like the movie? Yes. The ride is kind of scary, to be honest. Yeah, there you go. You see? She doesn't like the movie because the ride scared her? Yes. That is I do not ask questions. That is unfair reason to not like E.T. Mm, you don't know her. You don't get it. <laughs> she holds grudges. Um, damn, man, we really got really got thick into it there. Like, I I had such lighthearted notes, and I'm just like, damn, where do I even go from here? Did you have anything else about like how you connected with the movie before uh, we uh, move on to anything else? No, not really. Other than uh, my favorite joke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> used to teach outdoor education and that et short joke i just got you with do you remember that one mm. from a minute oh, ago mm. oh I'll, I'll laugh at it later don't worry so i was i was i was letting it hang in the air do you know what et short for um and i'm talking to a bunch of fifth graders and there's this kid who um i don't think he's hamming it up i think he's making an honest mistake he just keeps screaming Extra testicle! <laughs> Extra testicle! <laughs> and like me and all the parents are cracking up and trying not to look at him because he's not like looking around with his friends. <laughs> It's like just, just <laughs> screaming extra testicle at the top of his lungs. I thought that was a joke that you came up with. No, no. <laughs> This came from the heart of a child. From the mouth of babes. Yes. <laughs> Extra testicle. <laughs> E.T. does look like he has three balls, doesn't he? Dude, towards the end, he starts to look like the body is rejecting an extra testicle yeah. when he gets sick and all that. <laughs> If I may. Sorry, viewers or listeners, but... <laughs> sorry to take it that way. <laughs> it is what it is. <clears throat> Man, I think my last thought on that, Spielberg just gets kids, and we talked about it a little bit with Jaws, which I feel like the more things I watch, especially from Spielberg, I'm going to keep coming back to Jaws as like the the landmark of like, or the uh, the benchmark, sorry, of showing a good believable healthy whatever you want to call it father son relationship that doesn't get like the movie's not about it but you can show it and make it believable and understandable and relatable um i i think he has a way of letting the kids in his movies be kids i get really annoyed when a movie comes out say say there was like a legacy sequel to like ghostbusters or some shit i get annoyed when that happens too oh there's more (laughs) oh there's more yeah like if the kid character could have just been played by an adult i think i get really annoyed 
when they're too quick, too aware, too adult, like to be believable as a kid. I'm yeah. like, you could have just made this character an adult. Like, kids are different than adults, and if you're not going to explore that in any meaningful way, then like, why would you hire statistically a probably a worse actor for the role? Greg, to, like, you can just something. say Finn Wolfhard. <laughs> okay, he's, he doesn't listen. Okay, you can just say Finn Wolfhard. Finn, I'm sorry, bud. But, like, <laughs> Elliot in this movie seems like he isn't adult enough for the situation. And it's this very believable. It's like, it, it takes me back, man, where it's like, he sort of pretends like he is adult enough for the situation mm-hmm. and he isn't but like he kind of believes he is because well, he wants to be big every little he, kid wants to be big exactly like he's presenting himself as adult enough to know what he's doing adult enough to handle this situation kind of deep down he knows he's really like pushing his limits and pushing his boundaries but there's a part of him that truly believes that like I'm standing up to this task and can succeed and a part of me also knows that like I'm going to need some fucking help with this also. Greg, you could have swapped out the scenario with ET with my parents divorce and like everything you would have said would have still made sense. Okay, I'm doing some math here. But yeah. He wants to prove he's strong mm-hmm. enough. He wants to prove he's adult enough to handle this. Um, but he also knows it's stretching him and he's going to need some help ultimately. Right? Like mm. that is what it's like as a kid to have your parents get divorced. Um, and to meet an alien. They they're interchangeable. God's apology for dead parents is an animal that plays sports. God's apology for divorced parents is uh, an, an extraterrestrial alien that brings the family together. God's apology, a cross-dressing alien. Sorry, um, mm. and God's apology for dead kids is precogs. Okay, this is the new infinite Biff theory. What are we calling this? The God's apology. How have we gotten five movies in a row? <laughs> <laughs> Where you get a, you get some sort of gift. <laughs> It all comes back sort of to the metaphysical game. themes of Airbud <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, I have a note that says, if your dad's in, quote, Mexico, you get an alien that plays no sports. <laughs> <laughs> but he will gently toss you a baseball. What about an alien that's actually fucking useful? <laughs> <laughs> okay, buddy can help you win basketball games. How far do you think that's going to get you in life? E.T. How about it? A- He's got a space alien with plus 10 healing powers. Yeah. like, <laughs> And a sense of style. Did you see him dress up? He was ready for a night on the town. Beautiful. <laughs> he kind of sounds like Johnny Five, doesn't he? Your apology for an abusive boyfriend is a robot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Every movie is tainted thanks to Airbud. <laughs> it's the Airbud cosmic justice theory. <laughs> a B C G T A B C G T C J T. Excuse me. Just uh, justice. 
I'm going to file that copyright tomorrow. Denny, <laughs> hit me with another note while I write down this email to the the uh, United States Patent Office. <laughs> um, let's see. Are the Duffer Brothers hacks, Greg? I didn't realize that E.T. literally starts with a and d game, like the very first episode of Stranger Things. Uh, are the Duffer Brothers good at anything, or do they just make references? Your take. Dude, I just assumed that Stranger Things was all one big reference to multiple things, but like primarily E.T. Even though I hadn't seen E.T., I was like... I knew it was derivative from episode one, but I still enjoyed those first episodes yeah. in that first season or two. But goddamn. I mean, yeah, I hadn't even seen E.T. and I fucking... I clocked that from a mile away. I didn't even realize, just like, that they even had Finn Wolfhard show Eleven his Star Wars toys, like, like Elliot showed E.T. Like... <laughs> That was nice. No, 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 no. Excuse me. In the movie, it was nice. Sorry. Let me. I have a dog named Eleven. Okay. I think the first seasons, the first season of Stranger Things, is one of the greatest pieces of media ever created. I think it's perfect. I wouldn't change a goddamn thing about it. Um, I do think that there is a reason that the Duffer Brothers have not continued to deliver that level of quality in future seasons is all i'm saying Mm -hmm. i think eric bischoff was great for booking the nwo but craig what has he booked for me lately uh 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 summer slam he wishes i don't know who that is (laughs) (laughs) is that a man who wrestles uh he he was the uh the is that a sports entertainer of sorts he ran wcw in the 90s that's what your hat says. Yeah. It says WCW and it looks very 90s. So there yeah. you go. And guess what I got tested for this weekend? More to come. <laughs> <laughs> Hulkmania. <laughs> Sorry, chronic Hulkamania. That's a, that's a joke on Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> your Hulkamania is back. And it's a bad one this time, brother. Hulkster, it's me, Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh yeah, brother! <laughs> I liked that joke even though I didn't fully get it. <laughs> oh shit. Uh, speaking of really good season ones of shows. Um, <laughs> oh. Whew, I need a deep breath, Denny. This, this, well, we're all over the place here. Emotional lively with comedy this is fun i'm loving this it's, it's i feel like this episode is uh, reminiscent of the movie and how i felt the whole Hell time yeah i'm having a great time um hit me with something else what else you got okay so a very specifically terrifying scene for me um when they are doing the pan of the closet um you know and uh it's it's uh, elliot's mom looking in the closet and et's face is is in with all the stuffed animals so she doesn't notice him mm-hmm. so my grandma at her house had that exact wily coyote plush and i swear to god is it behind you? No, that was Eleven oh. coming in the room. Hello, sweet baby. You know, you're baby girl. The door's Is the wily coyote plush in the room with us now? God, don't say that, because I swear <laughs> to God it watched me in my sleep. 
I, it could I be. couldn't <laughs> sleep in the same room as it, Greg, and I hadn't thought about it in a long time. Uh, but but ET made me remember. It made me remember what Wiley did to me and how he looked at my soul while I slept in my bed. I think you need more of a roadrunner mindset with life. Meet me, motherfucker. <laughs> Meet me in the alley, and we're gonna fuck you up, you know, <laughs> if I may. That was off the cuff. It was very so, upsetting to see that thing. Sorry. That was the part that scared you in this one? Yes. Okay. Yes. Interesting. Um, I think we talked about it a little bit with Jaws. Just the um, the complications with the giant shark robot. Yeah. We could, like, it, it was, you know, it was fucked up, so we couldn't really get a lot of footage mm-hmm. of it which served the story and the atmosphere of the film itself. Maybe this was just a bad puppet. I don't I don't know the lore of the filmmaking here, but it seems like this alien is just always kind of in the dark. We never really get a well-lit shot of E.T. And I I feel like somewhere in my brain I know that it's because Steven knew like we're buddies now, me and Steve here. Um, Steve knew that the puppet looked pretty bad. He has such a knack for knowing, like... I ha- Here's the camera, here's the set, here's what's in frame. I know what it's going to look like on the theater screen in front of an audience. And he knows how to light it from that kind of perspective, basically. He has the end product in mind while he's making movies. And keeping the puppet monster alien animatronic whatever kind of in the dark served its purpose very well i think for the story and maybe overshadowed or overcame some issues that were probably present that's the way i felt i felt like you had something to say there um i just thought it was interesting that you'd say that because this is actually my go-to example of like the difference between practical effects and uh, CGI is I'm like, hey, E.T. looks good in 2023. Um, you said that to yeah. me last episode. Yeah. You said that you're going to think... Yeah, you called it. And I was like, I finished the movie. I was like, yeah, Denny was right. This movie looks good in 2023. Oh, okay. Then we agree. I might have misunderstood you. I, I thought you were saying you didn't like the way the puppet looked. I, I think it was he knew that it if we like put a whole fucking spotlight lit it up really well oh, it oh, would have looked sure, too fake sure. and he shot it intentionally in a way that it was like sort of shrouded it wasn't like completely in the pitch black and you could only see the eyes like the whole yeah, time yeah. but you could tell like he was trying to like uh, compensate for maybe like he knew it would look a little too fake so he presented it in a different light that, that I can see that I can see and it, it really helped sell the reality of each scene so I think it held up very Hell well yeah. even though I could kind of see the strings being pulled um, it basically like deepened the immersion yeah. 41 years after the fact yeah the, the face on that thing has such dynamic movements um it's it's capable of so much like i i am in awe of the of the trick photography that is this movie you know like because i i really like so this is what drives me nuts it's one thing to use a lot of cgi in your movie 
but to CGI an entire character? Uh, yeah. This is why it bothers me when you CGI a character. I am always removed because my brain recognizes it as something that is fake. Um, mm-hmm. So I always know it's just a movie. This isn't really happening. Don't get too immersed in this. E.T., you've you've pretty much tricked my brain into thinking the alien's really running around. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I see this physical thing with my limited sight line. It really seems like it's moving. You know, like, it, it's, it's just an experience you can't get. Versus you watch fucking Age of Ultron and the fucking whole bad guy is a CGI character and he fights CGI Iron Man and fucking... It's just... Where's the heart? E.T. has the heart because it looks real. It looks tangible. It looks like it's really actually happening. We used to call this movie magic, Greg. We used to Mm -hmm. call it movie magic. Yeah, I feel like... we're sacrificing like believability for scale if that makes sense we're just like well things have to get bigger we have to raise the stakes it has to be like a bigger bad or a more epic and i hate using that word a more epic um way of resolving things or just like a more epic scene and just like make it big make it explosive make it loud sonically visually whatever and if it's just like a computerized piece of putty on the screen with like shitty um, foley sound effects, as a foley artist myself, can recognize these things. Um, <laughs> the movie magic is lost, and it can be the big or the small things. Like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, with Renfield having like the grape jelly cgi blood and i was like whoa this fucking sucks very (laughs) bugs life (laughs) very bugs life. oh yeah yeah you you get it yeah i get it i get it greg i get it i'm winking at denny uh but yeah this is movie magic in a nutshell i guess i feel like we're dishing out (laughs) the least hot takes about et imaginable and i don't see any other reason to do anything else. i don't know so. that there are hot takes about this movie because it's just it's really good it's really solid um it is uh it is a very substantial movie you know like you can't even like call it superficial because like the first half is like a fun adventure with a lot of heart um and then son of a bitch they turn it into this gut-wrenching drama halfway through man uh, what did mm-hmm. you think of the uh, the tone shift of how things got so serious so fast? The tonal shift was something I really enjoyed, mostly because I was so immers- immersed in it that I forgot that I had seen something like this before. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's just like, a lot of movies you can kind of telegraph these things and be like, well, I've seen this a hundred times before. Like, I know how things are going to turn out at the end of this thing like let's stop kicking the can down the road and just get to the conclusion here but something in my head knew that something back here just knew i've seen this before i know how this is going to end but emotionally what i was seeing and what i was hearing there was something up here that was just like 
this might turn out the way it is presented mm -hmm. as like this actually might be more dire than i imagine sure. it's just like i feel like things have gone the worst way imaginable yeah basically and like i said at the beginning this is my first time seeing it <laughs> so i was just like what if this is actually like really fucked up i don't know <laughs> well, it, it seems for a minute like uh like they might have the balls to kill E.T. You know, like the way they're presenting it, it, it seems like something the storytellers might do and you just don't want to call their bluff. You know, like you just hope mm -hmm. to God they're not going to do it the whole time. Uh, man, th those scenes of uh, when when the when the feds take over the house, right? The the, the, the G-Men. Yeah. Those scenes of like E.T. looking like completely emaciated and crusty on the table while Elliot just screams. Um, dude, those scenes fuck with me every time I watch this movie. I've seen it I don't know how many times, but it, it always gets me, man, every single time. Because it feels real. It feels like you're, you're so on Elliot's side. <laughs> you're just like, why won't they listen to him? Why won't they just leave him alone? You've been kind of like, I don't want to use the word manipulated. You've been, or coerced. You've been kind of guided into this childlike mindset that you're like hearing him out more. And then there's a scene that comes, you know, that segment where it's like, it's time for real adults to listen to this kid. And you're like, I've learned to listen to him. Why won't they do the same? Right. Oh, that's a great point. And it's just like, oh shit. Yeah. As a 30 two-year-old guy would i listen to this kid that i haven't been through this experience with probably not no. definitely not i'd say Fuck. i don't listen to kids i don't know anything no. especially i'd be like i get it you're very attached to your alien friend but it's time for the adults to handle this now you know like that's <laughs> that's the attitude i'd probably have you know like fuck me for that no thanks so <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry i felt entitled to sex because i devalue the opinions of children <laughs> what the fuck anyways fuck me for that um i think my last like major note on the movie like we got into like storytelling character development like character attachment i think i mentioned when we like opened up the theme endearment to the protagonist really can push your movie a lot farther if you achieve that right away and mm -hmm. this is a prime example of that being done very very well um i kind of i i like to usually get into the filmmaking aspects of it but i kind of forgot to this time so I'll, I'll give a couple notes about filmmaking stuff and i'll just praise like this is, again, another ice-cold take that's been done a hundred times because he won an Oscar for it. Uh, John Williams' score. Oh, my God, it's so good. Like, it's not just the big moments, you know? Yeah. That's Jonathan Park. It's not just the big moments. It's every single second that there is music over what is happening, it fits what's happening perfectly every single second of music services the scene helps sell the emotion helps push the feeling 
and elevates the film. It can be as quiet, it can be like one instrument, and it is absolutely elevating the film upwards. It's incredible. Even like some of the most forgettable segments of music in this movie are like standing out as just like enriching the experience. It's so great. Mm-hmm. Like hot take, yeah, I know, no shit. Like I get it. He won the Oscar. I wonder what it's like to have that kind of understanding of the relationship between music and emotion. Because, like, I have no rhythm. I, I do not, like, in a million years, I can't... My It just wrinkles my brain to think about what a composer does. Like, I, I, I just don't work that way. What is it like to see the world that way? Where you can be like, ooh, this sound will accentuate this feeling that I'm seeing visually. Like, I just mm-hmm. can't imagine what it's like to have that kind of brain. Yeah, like, how far do I want to push it, and how much restraint should I have? Yeah, it's it's got to be tough. And it, it's every single second of music in this movie is perfect. Yep. Coming yep. from somebody that doesn't, like, know and understand music very well, but I've seen a lot of movies, and I've seen music in movies provide an absolute disservice to, to scenes in many ways, and this is the exact opposite of any experience like that that I've had so I uh I knew it was John Williams from the first note too you know like as soon as you hear the sound at all I was like oh yep that's right he does score this doesn't he I learned it I knew it was him from the opening credits where they said his name that helps (laughs) (laughs) score by John Williams really tipped me off um (laughs) what was it like uh as someone who'd never seen it at age 33, what was the iconic scene of uh, the kid? Oh, you're 32. You'll be 33 soon. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah, give me a few weeks. I'll be 33. Um, what was it like seeing the, the kids ride the flying bikes in front of the full moon? Um, the entire movie had been building to that so well that I wasn't thrown off by the fact that I kind of knew that through like osmosis of like pop culture basically I was I was in the moment and I really liked it I think there may have been a little bit of like a um, like damn like the the other kids all the other kids by the end of it they felt like a, a gang of kids standing up to like the government G-men basically but the relationship between all those kids maybe was rocky to start. It was explored once, and then it was fleshed out later. There was nothing in between to kind of, like, move it in a sort of organic way. But I still appreciated it because I was in such a kind of childlike mindset, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That it was very movie magic, and, like kids flying in front of the moon i felt zero um desire to look for the strings being pulled basically mm-hmm. if that makes sense that's that's the immersion that's the movie magic where you're like maybe something in you knows that something might be a little bit fake or like done in a practical way that you could like you know magician revealing his secrets like you could see the strings being pulled in some way that's somewhere in the back of your head but like as you're watching it you don't care and you're just like i'm caught up in the magic of the moment 
Something in me says, like, something here is fake, but I don't even consider it right now. So I felt good about it, to answer your question. Hell yeah, dude. Hell fucking yeah. I, uh, v Vanessa and I always have, uh, we just share a little moment whenever something, like, truly iconic happens and something we're watching. We'll just be like, ooh, iconic shot. You know, like, <laughs> and that's definitely one of those iconic shot moments. And I was just curious how it hit you. Those Those big 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 moments that you know from anywhere man i just i feel so satisfied when i see them uh in their context you know when i see them happen organically instead of like a highlight reel or something yeah yeah uh, and like i said earlier kind of like the score was building to it also everything was building to it but like especially yeah. the score i was so wrapped up in everything aided by the music that i was like it was happening and i was like I was taken out of the fact that I knew I was taken out of the 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 moment of like the characters I was endearing myself towards and being like, "Oh, hey, wait a second. I recognize this iconic thing." Anyways, like back to my immersion. Like I kind of dip dip down into like, "Oh, I know what this is." And then right back up into like, "Ah, oh, this is cool." And I was actually into it the whole time. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm if that Hell makes yeah, sense. Man. No, absolutely. Well, brother, do you have anything else for E.T.? I think I'm fresh out of notes. <sighs> um, my last thing, the little POV shots of E.T. in the ghost costume are a lot of fun. They <laughs> kick ass. Those are ass. a blast. Those are yeah. fun. Those are a blast. It's just, just it's, it's a nice little treat. I like it. So I think that was my last little note. Um, oh, uh, one last little note. Sorry. I like that the at the end... All the G-men in the cars are driving around chasing the kids on the bikes. And there's a uh, stencil on the cars, the driver's side door, that says United States government. Not any sort of agency or anything. They're just U.S. government. Just the government. <laughs> <laughs> and they want you to know, too. Uh, it's like uh, the Iron Giant. Uh, <laughs> what's the oh, guy's God, name? the government's outside. Which branch? They didn't say on their vans. <laughs> Such and such are with the United States government. Fuck, I can't remember his name. Anyways, yeah, that's what it reminded me of. Cool. Cool, man. Ooh, deep breath. That one, yeah, that was a lot more fun to talk about than I was expecting. Uh, I, I knew it would be fun. I knew it was a fun movie, man. Good movies will do that to you. This. <laughs> this is just a good-ass movie, ain't it? Right? Mm -hmm. It's a good fucking movie. Amen, brother. <laughs> All right, so, Denny, we'll uh, start with the first gimmick, the gimmick of the week for our theme of Spielberg films is, of course, the feel of Spiel. Denny, yes, the gimmick of the week, the feel of Spiel. What in this movie made you feel like you were watching a Steven Spielberg film? Um, <laughs> I man, uh, we already pretty much just talked about it. Um. It's the it's the bike riding scene. Um, I'll, I'll give a runner up because we just to say something different. Um, I will say the the organic chaos of uh, of the opening scene reminded me of uh, some things we said about the family scenes in Jaws. You know, like when we met the family, I was like, I can definitely see Spielberg's touch there. But I just think like he literally made the scene of the kids uh, flying on the bikes 
that is the logo for his movie company, uh, Amblin Entertainment. You know, like mm-hmm. if there's anything that that is iconically associated with Steven Spielberg, it's that. So I had to go with uh, the obvious answer because to me, there's just nothing that tops that. Hell yeah, man! I was worried for half a second there that you would steal mine, but uh, my feel of the spiel is revealing E.T. to the older brother and then the little sister runs in E.T.'s neck raises up and he screams and the kid screams and then oh my god mom is home and oh we gotta hide the alien but we gotta tell like oh everybody knows about it now that little chaotic scene is just peak cinema man the way it's constructed edited shot and most importantly like that whole thing is just earned that chaos is earned and you feel like you understand everything that's going on (laughs) you're connecting with like five characters at once of like the bewilderment of an alien that is in the house Mm -hmm. it absolutely kicks ass hell fucking yes my man that is such a great scene i love it so much i feel like i could watch this movie again tonight like that that's how much i enjoyed it how much this movie it's it makes me want to watch season one of stranger things actually maybe that's what i'll do yeah i could do both i'll come over for the uh vhs watch through of et first hell yeah dude i like seriously the vhs adds even more atmosphere to this already extremely atmospheric movie i i really think you'll enjoy it it's pretty sweet i'm trying to think of the last movie I watched on a VCR. Like, honestly, it might have been like... it. I, I couldn't tell you when the last time I watched a movie on VCR was. And, like, I want to go, like, way back. But it was probably a little bit more recent than I would think. But it was also probably something like Toy Story 2. Or Chicken Run. Or Holes. Yeah, yeah. Or some <laughs> shit. Like... Um... But I'm willing to change that answer, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Uh, Denny, what is your favorite line for E.T.? So uh, I've got to give uh, a runner-up to <laughs> an early contender. It was nothing like that, penis breath. <laughs> I just loved the way it was delivered, loved the way it was said. Great line. Um, the next one... Um, my favorite there's just no way to do it without an obvious uh, ejaculation joke but it's uh they're saying goodbye et says to elliot come elliot says stay they both know that they can't do that and that's the last thing they say to each other so good it is so so good. good um that's awesome what a great scene um is that that one's your favorite though yep all right um one of my runners up is from that same scene and i you know i praise this movie a lot but spielberg did steal a little bit from neil breen here when when et said when et said i'll be right here Breen did it first-ish, maybe. They say, great artist steel, Greg. Great artist steel. <laughs> Steelberg, that's why. Oh, that's <laughs> what it is. We cracked the code. Uh, 
Or was it Steel Bream? Ah. Steel from E.T. And a real hero. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of my runners-up was It Was Nothing Like That Penis Breast. So, way to go. Nice. Good job. Great line, right? Um, but my favorite line... <laughs> Uh, I didn't expect to be mocked on my own podcast while watching the movie. It is shut up, Greg. Zero charisma. <laughs> I know. I, I'm trying to force it every week, guys. Come on, Greg. You've got tons of charisma. You've got you've got that low key charm, dude. You've got charisma. Low key charm. Yeah, I'll take that. Um, forced charisma, maybe. Sometimes I don't know. That's called masking. It's called masking. I've been doing it my whole life. Denny, what is your... <laughs> Me too, buddy. Me too. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, one thing you can't mask is your Critiker score for E.T., the extraterrestrial. What'd you give it? 46 out of 50, grading it in the genre of a family movie, a movie that's mm. for children, teenagers, and adults. This is a 46 out of 50, uh, absolute top-tier creme de la creme of the genre. What about you? Creme de la creme. Hell yeah. Uh, I mean, it just got better as it went along. Um, damn. I was, you know, th this is something that has been satirized for years. You know, we all know E.T. Phone Home and all that. Even if you've never seen the movie, like, you know, like me. I felt like I knew so much about it, but watching it, and experiencing it for the first time felt so <laughs> unique and like it was such a great experience it's got a spielberg's fingerprints all over it and i think it made for a really good movie excuse me i gave et a 35 out of 40 very nice very that's higher than i thought you would rate it yeah me too honestly like <laughs> just fucking liked it a lot I don't yeah to tell great you. movie i'm glad you did greg i'm glad you did is uh i know a lot of the time when we uh when we expose you to 80s movies i get that you kind of had to grow up on it and it's you know it's not that cool to see it as a man in your 30s for the first time so I i'm glad this one hit home with you i think that may be why i kind of boosted it up a little bit it was just like the expectation of it being like an 80s hit classic how many times has that fucking let me down mm -hmm. and just been something super boring or right. <laughs> um, it, uh, so many movies are like if you don't have nostalgia for it are you really going to like it and I don't think this is one of those yeah. and I'll for me personally it definitely wasn't one of those so I was, I was excited to uh, experience it very cool we love to see it people we love to see it well greg is it time to tell the people what we're doing next week i think it is yeah dude I'm pretty sure uh, we're sticking with sci-fi and aliens ladies and gentlemen we are doing the mutually agreed upon consensus pick close encounters of the third kind oh yeah baby oh baby you've got this one on vhs I've got this one on 30th anniversary Blu-ray. You do the math. It's really weird to think about Blu-rays coming out in 2007. Anyways. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It is the 
quintessential foray of Steven Spielberg into sci-fi. Very cool. Love it. I, I'm excited to watch it again. It's been a while. I kind of feel like watching it with my dad, if mm-hmm. I'm being honest, because this came out when, like, a year before my parents got married. So I'm sure oh, they've, cool. I'm sure they've watched this together like a bunch of times. This is like their era. I kind of want to watch it with, uh, with them. Yeah. We'll see what happens. We'll see what shakes out. It's a very busy week though. We'll see what happens, but yeah, the, uh, the theme is only getting stronger and, uh, more fun and interesting. So I'm excited for close encounters. Denny. Super dope. Me too, man. Um, we're going to have a good time watching it. Uh, we're going to have a good time covering it. I've only seen it once. Uh, and it made a really powerful impact on me, so I'm excited for a rewatch. Hell yeah, man. Well, Denny, I'm extending my hand to you, but my index finger is pointed out, and on the glowing tip, it is healing you through the power of a catchphrase. For Greg Work, the legwork Johnson... I'm Denny the Talent Taylor, and this has been Movies for When? We already told you when, but you know what we didn't tell you? What's my cage again? I'm a policeman. See my badge? Just like-